everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast. Craig Schaub here with Bob Garver, our New York City film critic. Bob, we are talking movies again. It's Oscar season. There's movies in the air. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Happy Wednesday on this on this special Wednesday edition. Yeah. Well, we are talking a couple of movies. Uh, maybe one that not necessarily going to be in the Oscar race, but Clifford no, the Big Red Dog. <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog. Uh, you can currently watch that in theaters or streaming on Paramount Plus. Bob, I actually saw this movie on Paramount Plus for some reason. Um, tell no, me, Par- Paramount Plus is a, is a good venue for it because it's yeah. not worth paying theater prices. Right. I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, what are your thoughts on Clifford the Big Red Dog? Here we have a, a beloved children's book come to life here on the big screen, uh, live action with animated uh, Clifford. What were your thoughts on this film? Uh, did not care for it. Um, I work in in Times Square in New York City. Right. And for the past week or so, uh, I've been, I work as a greeter at Hershey's Chocolate World. So I, uh, I stand in one place all day, and for the past week, I have been stationed uh, in a position where I've been across the street from a uh, big billboard mm. for Clifford the Big Red Dog. Right. Uh, and it's not the lovable, expressive version of Clifford that I know from the books and uh, even from maybe the cartoon that um, premiered in the early 2000s, but just this this big, dumb, dead-eyed CGI monstrosity. I've had to <laughs> look at that for the past week. Um, so there's there's no love lost between me and and this version of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Right. There's just there's just not much that's very lovable about him. Yeah. This, I, I, sorry. Oof. Go ahead. No, yeah, the I, I think you're right. The it just the the CGI on this was hit and miss, mostly mostly miss. Um, you know, and also their interactions with the dog, whether they're holding the dog, which did not look realistic a lot. Um, the dog itself, at times, okay, you know, you could have that earnestness from it, and and, and you know, love the, the you know who doesn't love dogs, but yeah, the CGI was just a monstrosity of of sort of like a, a demon child of Beethoven, where it was just causing mischief all, you know, I guess it is a puppy, but just causing mischief more than it was causing, you know, people to love them. Um, you know, a lot of people, when you get to these movies, a lot of it's going to be about this, you know, child acting. Darby Camp here plays Emily, sort of the beloved children's novel character who sort of falls in love with Beethoven, or I'm sorry, Clifford. not Beethoven, Clifford, <laughs> Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, I actually kind of thought her performance was a little stiff. I don't think it's her fault that it was stiff. I just think the material that she was given wasn't all that great. A lot of times it seemed like they were just saying, hey, you know, look into the camera and smile or look off to the side and smile. And it just didn't really seem like she was given the material to work with, even though I could see some of that talent there. What did you think about her performance as sort of this main character? She was fine. Nobody could have saved this. Yeah. This this material and I mean, I mean I guess as far as getting us to care about the relationship between this girl and this huge dog, uh, I guess she does as good a job as as anybody. Yeah, 
Um, the I, actually the only actor in this movie who um, who really sold me on the movie, and I'm I'm giving this a C minus, and it it this movie saves gets saved a C minus by a hair, and it's because of this actor, and that's John Cleese. Yes, John John Cleese's shtick. Um, probably in the hands of a lesser comedic actor, probably would have been annoying, but in his hands, he's an old pro. He knows what he's doing. He gets me to care about this movie for just a few fleeting moments toward the beginning. Yeah, it was nice to see John Cleese uh, on screen. Uh, but yeah, this is just one kind of sight gag after another and, and none of it really adds up to much i mean there is this underlying message i suppose of of acceptance and you know being able to you know tolerate people of all creed race and color obviously clifford's a big red dog um but at the end of the day this is just one sight gag after another that just really doesn't work out uh, the adults are sort of overacting at times. The child's aren't, you know, the children aren't given a whole lot to work with. And this is probably a movie that did not need to be made. I agree. It's, it's definitely not worth anybody's time theatrically. I guess if you're at uh, home and you're looking for something for the kids to watch on Paramount plus, it certainly, you know, lives up to the reputation of being a kid's movie. I mean, there's there's really, a, there's a, a couple of maybe adult humor jokes, but for the most part, this is very kid-friendly. Um, but yeah, definitely not worth uh, watching. So kind of one of those movies I, I hope to uh, erase from my mind at some point here. Yeah, um, and there's there's another point I want to make. Uh, the, villain, yeah. the villain in this movie played by Tony Hale, um, his motivation is that he wants to study Clifford, find out what makes him so huge, and um, use what he learns to cure world hunger. And he's treat and he's treated as the bad guy. I I know that there's some some kidnapping, uh, some dog napping stuff in there, right? But it's kind of hard to take him seriously as a villain when when his motivation is to cure world hunger yeah and it's it's pretty flimsy that you're trying to equate how this dog has grown so exponentially and equate that to how you're going to make food bigger and that's kind of his goal is to increase the size of food so they can cure world hunger so you're you're right it's um it's a strange premise uh, for a villain to want to cure world hunger um and to me it just it's like an apples and oranges situation. Like you're assuming that you can study this dog and figure out how this dog grew and then apply that to food. Just kind of a flimsy, really thinly layered, you know, layered plot um, and just not worth our time. And, you know, Tony Hale, it seems like he's played this character before where he's just this, you know, conniving, you know, smooth talking villain, but just didn't really work for me either. Um, hopefully, Bob, we can move on from Clifford the Big Red Dog um i know that we've talked you know we talked a little bit last week after the show about maybe some of our favorite live action films with animated uh you know undertones um you had you had mentioned one before we started here uh what's what are sort of uh, live action movies with animation that you enjoy oh um not one really with animation but uh the wizard of oz uh, would have topped my list if we were doing live action kids movies. Sure, sure. The Wizard of Oz would have topped uh, my list. Uh, but um, but we just recently did a list of the best movie musicals. Right. 
and um, and it would have topped the list if we were doing best live action kids movies. Right. So so we kind of decided uh, not to not to do that one. Um, other ones that I had written down that uh, would have been on the list. Uh, the Paddington movies, Paddington one and two, yeah, yeah, um, especially the uh, the one from 2018 that I thought was the best movie of that year. Right, um, that would have been on that list. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's been that's kind of a mainstay on these types of lists because I just loved that movie so much when I was a kid. Right. Uh, the Harry Potter movies, especially the first one, which okay. was you know the basis for that uh, that huge theme park in Florida. Um, I have down uh, Matilda, um, based on the Roald Dahl movie that I, or uh, based on the Roald Dahl book, which uh, was a book I loved as a child. It was the first uh, so-called chapter book okay. that I uh, that I read to myself as a kid. It was a huge accomplishment at the time, and I liked the movie. Right. And also Hugo uh, oh, from yeah. Scorsese. I love Hugo. That um, yeah, that uh, that love letter to. Uh, classic, what was it, 1920s movies, or no, like 19 Early, early 1900s, yeah. Yeah, early 1900s yeah. movies yeah. in the form of a kid's movie, which I loved. Yeah. Well, I think we got our wires crossed, because I would have been up for the uh, for a, a kid's, you know, sort of a kid's version. I was thinking we were talking about live action spliced with animation, so they got... Oh. The first one I had thought of was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was probably... You know, one of those films that I thought, you know, blended live action with animation very well. And it was sort of a really kind of a first of its kind, you know, as far as doing it in sort of a quasi adult way as well. So I think we got our wires crossed on that, Bob. I would have been down for uh, sort of a live action, you know, kids, you know, vehicle. But uh, OK, well, well any, any 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 you want to add now? Well, I mean, I definitely would put uh, Paddington uh, one and two on there, and also Hugo. I love Hugo. I think it's a very underrated Scorsese film. Um, but um, yeah, those are some. You had some great, you know, great uh, choices on that list. So, um, well, at least we were able to end Clifford with some, you know, great movies and some fun movies. Um, hopefully, our next movie, which is maybe being uh, positioned as an Oscar darling, is Belfast. This is the uh, the new Kenneth Branagh movie. A lot of people out there, I think I've said this before elsewhere, that you probably know who Kenneth Branagh is. You just might not know what he looks like, or you probably see his name a lot in films, or you probably see an actor, and you think, who is that guy? Well, it's Kenneth well, that's, Branagh. Probably. That's okay, because he looks different in every movie anyway. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Well, here he's behind the camera, which that's a lot true of people... Too. A lot of people may not realize that he is a, in a pretty established uh, director in Hollywood. Uh, most people would probably know him from directing Thor. He did, unfortunately, direct Artemis Fowl a few years ago. But after doing some of those, uh, you know, I'll make a blockbuster for you and you let me make an indie film for myself. Here he has his uh, very personal film, Belfast. Bob, tell us a little bit about Belfast. Uh, well, Belfast is uh, allegedly semi-autobiographical. Semi um, it's about um, a boy growing up in Belfast. He's yeah. about uh, he's about nine years old, and uh, it's at uh, you know a very tumultuous time in the nineteen um, sixties, early nineteen seventies, um, a time where the filming would have uh, would have been in color. I mean, they're, they're, right. They're, 
there were they uh, he goes to the movies a few times in this movie, and ironically, the movies that he sees are in color, even though the rest of the movie is in black and white. Right, which is kind of an interesting choice. Yeah. But um, you know, this movie is obviously not without its serious and heavy moments, uh, especially involving uh, Protestant attacks on Catholics in uh, in Ireland in this era. But uh, it's it, this is mostly a very sweet, very cute movie uh, with a lot of, um, you know, impossible not to love characters. Right. Well, and, you know, we talked in our last movie, Clifford, about, you know, child actors. I know Jude Hill is sort of at the forefront of this movie, and he's sort of a newcomer to the acting scene. Um, Jamie Dornan, who most people might know from the Fifty Shades of Grey uh, franchise, of course, Judy Dench, everybody knows Judy Dench, uh, Kieran Hines as well, another character actor that you've probably seen in very many movies over the years. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about the acting. I mean, are, are we looking at Oscar nominations for some of these actors? I mean, is this going to be the Oscar darling that a lot of people are positioning it as? Uh, yeah, I think it's got a, a good chance. Um, this, uh, this Jude Hill, um, you know, just just try saying anything negative about him, um, and and Jamie Dornan, um, you know, uh, people. It's going to make people completely forget about Fifty Shades of Grey, that uh, that he's after seeing him in this movie. Um, you know, dare dare I say he's got a good shot at an Oscar. Judy Dench may have uh, a shot at another Oscar. Kieran Hines may have a shot at. Uh, his his first Oscar, right. uh, even though he he carried a uh, a short film that won the Oscar a few years ago. Well, you know, talk a little bit about uh, Branagh because obviously, you know, we you know I mentioned before that you know he's directed Thor, he's you know he's directed Artemis Fowl and some other films. Obviously, he he's directed better films like you know Hamlet and Henry V, but. Talk a little bit about you know his his work here behind the camera and also uh, he screened the you know he screened the the script on this one. Um, tell us a little bit about Branagh's direction and writing on this. I mean, is he maybe positioning himself for an Oscar? Oh, he's he's definitely positioning himself for the Oscar, uh, especially when it comes to and I don't know how much you know input he had on this, but um, the cinematography, the black and white cinematography right. is is beautiful, uh, as well as that uh, decision to juxtapose it with color images of the of the movies that the kid goes to see okay um well bob it sounds like you had a little bit better time at the movies here with uh belfast and you did with clifford uh what's there's your- even a, oh there's even a musical number yeah Ooh, uh, okay. jimmy dornan sings uh sings everlasting love to his wife and it's oh. you know that it's, it's probably the best scene in the movie okay uh well i mean it sounds like you enjoyed it uh what's your final grade for belfast a minus. Uh, I found myself uh, texting my mother at the earliest opportunity, saying that uh, that if this movie comes to her, her hometown, that uh, she might want to check it out because she might like it. So this is literally something to write home about. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because uh, you know it only had a, a 580 screen release last week, but it did make almost 1.8 million dollars. It had a really nice average box office take. Uh, just behind Eternals and Clifford. So this is a movie that uh, did very well for the theatrical release that it received. And I can only imagine as this, uh, you know, even though the box office is going to get crowded with some blockbusters here coming up, 
I can only imagine that Belfast is going to find a bigger audience and a lot more screens here in the next couple of weeks, especially with the holiday coming up. If there's any justice, it will. Absolutely. Well, Bob, I'm excited that you uh, enjoyed Belfast. I can't wait to watch it. And I, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, it looks like it's going to position itself as maybe that, uh, you know, multi Oscar nominated film that we always see every year, maybe into the double digits as well, uh, with possible directing and writing and cinematography, like you said, and maybe some acting awards too. So, um, I definitely, uh, Hope that that maybe, uh, you know, seeing Belfast maybe, uh, you know, help you forget yeah. about Clifford. Yeah, yeah, nice uh, nice way to balance out Clifford there. Absolutely. All right, Bob. Well, what do you have coming up next week? Uh, next week, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay. And, um, I, I want to say Clifford. No, not Clifford. King Richard. King Richard, yeah. King, okay. King Richard. All right. Yep. All right, so a little nostalgia and maybe another Oscar contender with Will Smith in a, in a lead acting role. So, yep. all right, Bob, well, we definitely appreciate you stopping by as always, and we can't wait to hear your takes next week on some new releases. Yep, thanks. Uh, this is the highlight of my week. All right, everybody, we will see you.